Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening. Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today we have Michael Johnson on the show, or as many of you might know him, Michael Mojo. Michael Mojo is a mindset and mental performance coach for some of Australia's top rich listeners, industry leaders, athletes, and business teams. He's been featured alongside the likes of Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. John Martini. Dr. David Logan, Grant Cardone, Gary V, and Barbara Cochran, and recently named by the Australian Business Journal as one of the top 20 Australian personal development experts and coaches to work with in 2022. Michael is known for challenging the way people think and smashing a lot of the myths and misconceptions that we are unaware of and keep us stuck personally and professionally. He bridges the gap between advanced sciences, human behavior, personal development, and mental performance fields to give powerful tools, teachings, and methodologies to help people succeed at greater levels. His business, Mojo Human Performance Institute, runs events, workshops, trainings, and seminars for the general public right up through to large corporate teams, teaching them evidence and scientific-based tools to help people exist in their quest. Michael's mission is what drives him every day to help people live an inspired life by performing better in both their personal and professional lives. So in this episode, Michael and I touch on his journey from the day he got expelled from school to living the life full of luxury that he finds himself today. Michael shares his learnings and the processes that he went through to find his passion, his purpose and his mission in life and how he's helping people perform better through scientific-based mental performance tools and educations. If you love the episode, which I absolutely know you will, and want to hear more episodes of some of the wonderful leaders and experts in their field, then push that subscribe button and be sure to listen to our weekly podcasts. If you'd like to get in contact with me, feel free to do so at admin at synergyiq.com.au or check us out at synergyiq.com.au and find us at SynergyIQ on all the social media outlets. Cheers. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host, and today we have the, the, the great one, uh, Michael, the Mojo Master Johnson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Michael... You've been earmarked as the you know, the Australian Tony Robbins. You're in your name gets thrown in the rings with Dispenser, Di Martini, Cardone, and and the like. Mm-hmm. Must make you walk around with a bit of a head wobble. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not really. I'm just doing my own thing. Like you know, I um I learned years ago that I just actually ever since I was a young kid, all I wanted to do was just be myself. And mm-hmm. I got put into a schooling system where I got told what I had to do and who I had to be, and then. You know, I got out into the workforce and, you know, into different careers. And again, you know, I had to fit into a mold of what other people wanted me to be and dictated how I behaved and how I acted and, you know, how I spoke and all that. Now I'm just being myself. You know, I started my own business because I wanted to be me and I wanted to do this for me. And I just found that there was a lot of stuff in that industry that I loved, which is helping people perform better. Um, you know, that personal development space or, you know, even the psychology space. And there's just, I think, am I allowed to swear on here? 
Yeah, go for okay. it. There's just so much bullshit in that space. <laughs> and, you know, um, one of my close friends is Dr. John D. Martini and uh, one of my, you know, colleagues and we bounce ideas off each other and um, so on. And, um, you know, he said most people don't think. They think they think. Yeah. And I, what I find is that there's just – I'm in an industry where most people aren't thinking. They're thinking that they're thinking and they think that they're doing the right thing, but they're not really looking at the results that they're getting and, and so on. So I just wanted to go out there. And, they're not acting. Is that is that what you're saying? Not that they're not acting. They're achieving great things. Mm. But when you look at it, like I'll give you a really good example and this is probably going to upset everybody, but go for positive it. thinking's bullshit. Yeah. All okay, right. everyone fucking knows it, yeah. but they just don't admit it to themselves. Mm. Like if you think about it, the more you try to be positive – the more unhappy most people are and the more negative they are on yeah. themselves because they're chasing an idealism that doesn't exist. If you study any hard science, anything that's positive attracts a negative in order to stabilize. Mm. Now, the majority of people that I talk to, they go, you know, I want to have mental stability. Like I want to have focus and I want to have, you know, I want to know what I'm trying to achieve in life and just stay focused on those things and not let all this other stuff distract me. And I go, okay, well, that's fair enough. That's stability. But then they go to positive thinking events where it's all about happiness and joy and getting excited, but they don't realize what goes up has to come back down. So then yeah. they crash afterwards, they beat themselves up. You know, they set these unrealistic expectations when they're elated and when they're high and when they're excited and they're all pumped up and fist pumping the air and high-fiving people. But two weeks later, they're burnt out. They're feeling like shit, beating yeah. themselves up. You can't maintain that level of happiness for a very long time, can you? It, Not at all. I think what um, really what is interesting in that whole chasing happiness is that uh, it's almost like there's a lot of people that might hate me for this. I don't really like the book The Secret, right? Because yep. it is it is that power. Of, if you think positively, good things come your way. Mm. It's not as simple as that. You need to think positively and then put a plan into action and then execute on that plan mm. and then go through the ups and downs of that plan and stick to that plan. So there's so much more than just thinking about, you know, you know, the whole idea of rocking up to a car park and there's a free space because you thought positively about it is uh, it's pretty out there. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, <laughs> Dr. John Martini is a close friend of mine. I'm, I'm good friends with both of his daughters, uh, Elena and Brescia. And um, yeah, what, what like even John, uh, he was in The Secret. Yeah, I mean. um, he said that they pretty much edited yeah. his whole talk, which was like a two-hour talk, down to about three or four minutes Correct. of footage. And all they did was they took all the little bits about the Agreed. positive stuff. Yeah. Um, all, most of the other people who were on there either ended up in jail, like the guy who was doing the the sweat camps and stuff, he ended yeah. up in jail because <laughs> someone died. Um, I think the guy who was talking about the car parks yeah. and money coming to yeah. him, I think he got done for fraud. Yeah. Um, so there, there was I've just- met Martini. He said the same thing. So yeah. I can vouch for you for that. He did say, um, yeah, they edited the, the shit out of it really. So uh, Yeah. And that's because they had an agenda. They had a market that they were going for. Mm. And that market, you know, I find where most people lost, they're looking for something. And I think we all, all of us need certainly, in, uh, you, you know, um, Tony Robbins talks a lot about this as well. I know you mentioned his name before. I've worked with uh, some of his coaches as well. Um, and um, yeah, I I find that um, there's this whole there's this almost like an an idea that you know we need to ha- we need to be happy, but I don't think that's really what drives most people. Is a lot of people want certainty in their life. They want to know like what direction am I going in. They want to know that everything's going to be okay. And I guess we all need that to sort of push forward to some extent. Now, I think in uncertain times or when people are uncertain, they're trying to live for everybody else. It creates a lot of uncertainty inside of them. So then they seek external um, certainty from other factors. Um, And I think that whole positive thinking movement gives people certainty. Like if I just think positively, then good things will happen. If I'm a good person, then good things will happen. But a good person's relative. Yeah. Like I can be an asshole to someone who wants 
a lot of stuff from me. Like I get people every day who come to me and say, hey, you know, I'd love to catch up and, and buy your coffee and pick your brain. And I go, mate, this thing costs a million bucks. Yeah. Like this shit wasn't free. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, I think a lot of people devalue their knowledge and they also devalue their time. So they devalue my time and they devalue my knowledge. Whereas I was the dumb shit that was put in special classes at school, told that I was dyslexic, all of that stuff. I had to learn my way to get to where I am today. So I've spent thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours studying, researching, learning, growing, traveling all around the world. And, you know, as I mentioned, I've invested over a million dollars in myself with learning and growth and mentors and so on. And then, you know, for some people they go, you know, I'd love to just catch up and pick your brain. Well, that stuff's not free. Yeah. Now, if I say no, I'm being a good person to myself, mm. but they think that I'm an asshole. Yeah. So oh, there's a Tim Ferriss. Uh, you listen to Tim Ferriss podcast? At all? I, I used to years ago, yeah. but I haven't. Well, he's just got Tim, Tim Ferriss himself. Not so much his podcast, but himself has got um, a philosophy. It's either fuck yeah or it's a no. Yeah, right. It's either yes, I'm in and I'm invested and I'm going to get something out of that, or it's a no. Like that's literally how he he answers he answers all these questions when he gets asked for speaking gigs. Or I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's um it is a, it is a really good philosophy. Now I'm really interested in you mm. talking about the the investment in your own time and your own purpose and your own uh, education and learning. And you spent you know spent a few dollars in that <laughs> in that Just space, right? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, there's this common saying that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. 100%. Right? Yeah. Can, can you, and I really want to deep dive into that overnight success, what that looks like. So, the, the, well, the 10, sorry, I want to deep dive into the 10 years to become that overnight success. Those 10 years, especially in, um, in your learning, in your growth, in your education, when you're putting posts out and there's no one liking it, and then you're putting out these videos and there's no one watching. And this, <laughs> every day. Yeah, exactly, right? But this, this imposter syndrome, which can almost kick in, I really want to get into your head about how you push through that because you obviously have and you come out the other side and, and you are still obviously, you know, engagement levels peak and trough and all that sort of stuff. But mm. what, went, what went through your... Um, what went through your mind and, you know, how did you build that sense of resilience and that grit and determination to get through that 10 years? Because that's that's the key, I think. It's the not giving up. You know, there's a, there is a quote that says the two easiest things to do in life, uh, sorry, the two hardest things to do in life, I should say, is to start and the second one is to not quit, right? Yep. So can you explain to us that 10 years? I know there's a lot in that. Can you yeah. explain that 10 years and and, and just your, I guess, grit and determination to get through. Okay. I think that's a – I mean, I love being on podcasts because I get asked some really <laughs> shit questions but I get asked some really wild ones and that's a, that's a wild question. Um, and, and the whole podcast might just be answering that question. Um, look, I, I can only go through my journey and uh, having worked with tens of thousands of people now from all different levels, um, I'm very selective with who I work with these days like – our events are tailored towards people who have that internal drive that just want to be better and want to really do something. And, and that's why I get to work with, you know, billionaires and um, the private coach for professional athletes and, and so on. Um, but I also get a lot of people who have hit rock bottom in their life and just go, you know, i got nothing to lose. Fuck it. Let's go for it. Yeah. I love that even just gives me goosebumps talking about <laughs> it. Um, but I just, I love that mentality of like, let's just have a crack. Yeah. You know, I think that that's one of the most beautiful things that humans have is that just, you know what, like what could go wrong? What's and, the worst that could happen? Yeah, like let's just let's just have a crack and see what happens. And all the great people that I've been able to meet, they all have that attitude. Whereas, you know, I think in the world at the moment, there's like mediocre and average, and then there's this massive pool of people below, and they're always looking for. And, I, and I'll answer the question in a second. 
they're looking for that external support consistently because they like the internal support, they like the internal self-belief and so on for whatever reason. But our, the majority of our mental health system and the majority of the system that's out there supports those people. But once you start achieving, you start cranking it up a little mm. bit. You know, I work with CEOs and stuff and they've got to go and fire 100 people today because, you know, COVID happens and they've got to let go of staff. If not, they've got to let go of three or 400 people. Now to them, that's like to let go of one person is extremely challenging because that's a person, yeah. they've got a family. And, 100%. you know, anyone in business who's done that, it's sickening, like it's gut-wrenching to be able to, you know, to have to do that at any time. Um, even if they're a shit employee, mm. still having to let go of someone is still a ch very challenging task. Now they go and do it to 100 people. They get 100 people, uh, probably even four, 500, 600 people who hate their guts now because it's mm. their family they're impacted and, and they have to go and deal with that. But the majority of society look at them and they go, well, fuck them. They've got a Ferrari. Well, fuck them. Yeah. Like, but that Ferrari or their car or whatever is a representation of all the hard work, the 40 years of sacrifice and dedication and the not getting paid and all that stuff. But they forget all that. They just see the end outcome. And they think that it's easy for those people. And it's not. It's, it's probably even harder because you've got more to risk. You've got bigger challenges. You know, some of the, some of the people that I've worked with, they have, you know, million-dollar week wages that they've got to, that they've got to you know, um, pay out. Yeah. Now, if, if COVID hits and they've got to go 10 to 15 weeks without work, that could be $15 million. Yeah, 100%. Look, and, I'm and a so, firm believer. I'm just going to support what you're saying yeah. here because if you look at the CEOs of the big banks, right, you know, um, they're getting paid $15, 20000000 million a year. They, you know, just using them as an example, there's so many other examples the same. Uh, they're doing well. They're doing well for themselves. But if you think about how many people in in Australia or in the world could actually do that job, it's minimal, right? Yeah. There's a select bunch. And if you think about, and no disrespect to anyone that works in the supermarket, but if you look at the checkout people, the people who are buzzing, uh, or, or you know McDonald's or whatever it might be, in that sort of starting off their career, there there is a copious amount of people that can do that work, right? Yeah. Hence the reason their pay is a lot less than mm. the person who's sitting at the top of a bank. Right, so it's the, like you said, it's the years, it's the education, it's dealing with the anxiety and the gut wrenching feeling that you mentioned. Like mm -hmm. we both own our own businesses. I manage a management consulting firm, and we work with large corporate. You manage your own growth and, and, and motivational um, uh, business as well. The constant ups and downs, and I keep saying this, is for entrepreneurs. You can have the best day and worst day in the same day. Like it, 100 it's again. just this constant up and down, mm. and that's the grit and resilience that I really want to try to draw out of you. Mm. How did you wait, weed your way through that? Yeah, so um, I think there was a, there was a whole bunch of things that happened. So when I was fifteen, I got expelled from school, and um, we went to the same school, by the way. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but that, that was after I got expelled and, and changed schools. But, um, you know, I was expelled from school and um, I guess I was a bit of a terror at school. I'm still, I, I still probably have like very high level ADHD traits as well where I can't sit still for too long. Yeah. I get distracted by things. I can't really focus. Like if you give me stuff to read that's very detailed, if it's around human behavior, I can do it. But outside of that, I sort of struggle with it. So yeah. I have a team of people who help me out with that stuff. Um so I guess I struggled to sit still. I've got a high value on exercise as well. So I love moving. And, and yeah. so to sit still for hours on end at school, to me, was just like the most insane thing. And I couldn't, I, I didn't know who I was. The system didn't know who I was and I didn't fit into that system. Mm. So, it's like the old uh, round peg into a square hole. 100%. That's the, I, I was, I, I don't know what I was. I wasn't even a peg, I don't think. <laughs> I but, um, yeah. Let's start, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so... At 15, when I got expelled from school, I knew that I was always in trouble at home and I was always in trouble at school and I didn't have a lot of friends at school because 
my parents' age as well. They were 17 and 19 when they had me. So I used to go to parties every weekend instead of kicking the footy around with all the boys at school or playing soccer. And so I just didn't really fit in um, up until we, I changed schools. Um, and so that caused a lot, of, a lot of internal conflict in me and I was completely lost. And so I was going to end my own life because I thought, what's the fucking point? Like I can't, I'm, I'm never going to get anywhere in life. And I had this massive amount of pressure from my mum as well, who dropped out of school to have me and her brothers and sisters went to university and got a great education. And, you know, they went on to be uh, high level, I guess you could say CEOs or directors or, you know, heads, heads of um, major teams yeah. in corporate. Yeah. Um, and there's my mum working, you know, at, at David Jones or John Martin's back in the days um, selling shoes mm. and my dad working two jobs and, and working really, really hard. The great thing was I, I learned that work ethic from a very young age, but get, um, getting back on track then when I changed schools, I was thinking like, what do, what do I really want to do? Like, I know I want to finish year 12, but I also know that I'm not going to really excel at it. Mm. So I just sort of got my way through it. Um, I love things like biology and I love things like geography because I could understand how things work and mm. I've always loved how things work. I was always good with my hands as well and love cars. So that that was sort of part of it. Um, and then when I left school, I became a diesel mechanic because I just wanted to figure out how things work. But I also noticed that I was working to make money because that's what I got told you had to do, right? Mm. You've got to, if you get a good job or if you do well at school, you get a good job. If you get a good job, it means you get good money. And if you get good money, then you can set yourself up for life. You can enter the rat race. Yep. Well, that's, <laughs> I didn't realize that back then. <laughs> but what I saw was at the start of the mining boom in South Australia, um, I think it was in the early 2000s, all these guys are going up to the mines and they're buying motorbikes and cars. And I'm thinking, fuck yeah, like these guys are crushing it now. Yeah. And then they're coming in, wife's left them, kids have left them, they haven't seen their kids for ages, yeah. they're having mental breakdowns, the their suicide rates out, are going yeah. up. You know, and and what I saw was, hang on, I, I was really conflicted because I'm like, holy shit, these guys are making tons of cash. They've got all the fun stuff in life, like everything that I thought I always wanted, yet they're fucking miserable. What yeah. is going on here? And so I just sat there and I watched it. And I'm really observant as a person, and I think that's what makes me great at what I do. And so I was just sitting there thinking, like, what is going on here? And then I got a phone call one day. The reason why I didn't commit suicide when I was 15 was because of my best friend that I had at the time. He was like my one close mate that I could rely on. And he was in a car accident. His three-year-old niece was killed in that car accident. He was in the passenger seat and um, his sister was driving. And I just remember watching this little white coffin going into the ground going, how the fuck can life just be taken away just like that? Like, yeah. we're here and gone. Mm, um, fragile. And it was, it was just it was probably like the best and worst thing that ever happened to me because it was the worst, obviously, because of the situation, but the best thing because it made me really think about life and what I wanted. Um, and so I was just, I was, I started really thinking like, what am I here for? What's my purpose? What, you know, life's got to be about more than just working and making money and the white picket fence and two kids and, you know, and for some people that works, but for a lot of people it doesn't, but that's what they've, that's what they're into because that's what everyone else is doing. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I just I really started questioning everything, and um, I I was flicking through the paper, and I thought at the time I, I loved uh, like I loved training and I loved the gym because I started exercising when I was uh, fourteen with my dad. He used to play uh, like SNFL level football, and he also played state cricket as well. So I used to train, and I was a bit chubby and a bit overweight, so I thought I'll just hit the gym. And so there was something about movement or whatever, and I didn't I had no idea. Like I was completely ignorant and had no real idea of understanding even what I wanted to do. But I was just flicking through the newspaper looking for a job and it came up, become a um, become a personal trainer. And I thought, maybe I could do this. Like the gym was the only place that made me feel good. I'd go to work, this shitty environment, dirty all the time, which isn't like, I mean, look how I dress. It's yeah, not yeah. getting dirty every day. It's not my thing, no. right? Um, so, you know, it, 
I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. But the first thing that happened, and this comes back to the question of like resilience, the first thing that happened, um, and I think this happens for everyone in change, I, I started reflecting back on all the shit from my past. So there I am in class, like I'm going to go sign up to go study. And there I'm in class getting Fs. There I am in class getting told to go to timeout. There I am getting kicked out of class. There I am getting put into special classes, getting told that I was dyslexic, getting told that I wouldn't get anywhere in life by my Latin teacher of all things as well. <laughs> um, so all of those thoughts came up and I was like, why, why, would, I, why would I do this? Like, it's stupid. I'm, I'm going to fucking fail at it anyway. Yeah. But then there was another part of me that had this burning desire to like, but what if? What yeah. if it actually works? And so I thought, you know what, screw it. And I still remember it's etched in my brain walking through TAFE SA and going in there because back in those days, there was no like 16-week course or eight-week yeah, course yeah. to become a personal trainer. It was like 18 months of study after hours. Um, and I went and did it. And I, then when I got there, I was a straight-A student. That essentially gave us a whole term and I, yeah. would, I would read the whole terms, you know, lecture notes and everything within, within a week and then be on the computer back in dial-up internet days, yeah. looking up stuff online and trying to figure things out. And I just <laughs> loved it. Like I just chewed it up. You found your uh, calling. I found something that I loved. Yeah. And I think that was probably the first step to that question of like resilience is like really finding out what you're great at. But there's also other things which I'll get to in a second. Um, so I just, I started doing that and then I got signed off my apprenticeship a year early. And I just remember going back and feeling sick, like this is it. This is as good as life's going to get. And I almost threw up on my toolbox. And then there was just part of me that went, no, nah, fuck it, I'm done. Like, I'm out of here. And so I just put all my shit in the car and went to the boss and I said, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know, it's not this. <laughs> and he goes, he, he looked at me and this was a, a trucking tycoon because I, I left um, where, where I first started my apprenticeship and moved to another company. Um, and they, they were a big trucking, in-state trucking company. And he looked at me as this old Italian guy and he looks at me and he goes, Michael, don't end up like the rest of these fuckers. Go do what you love. And I was like, Cool, thank you. And that was yeah. it. I just walked out of there. Went best, to, best advice you ever got. It was great <laughs> advice. Um, and so I go to mum and dad's house. I take out my toolbox from the car and my mum comes out, bursts into tears. What are you going to do with your life? Because I think for her, all she wanted me to have was financial stability so that then I could have the life that she didn't get to have. And yeah. I think parents project their insecurities onto their kids, which is part of their own journey um, and their own learning. So I had, I had that happen. And I just said, mum, look, in 10 years, I won't be here. Like, Because she said, you know, in, in 10 years, if you just stick at it, you'll, mm. you'll get where you, where you need to get. And I said, in 10 years, I won't be here. Mm. Meaning like I would have probably killed myself by then. And I went to the gym that I was training at and I just said, look, give me a chance. I'll do anything. Like I'll clean toilets or do whatever. And they put me on the front desk working, just checking everyone in back in the day of like yeah. the original scanners. Is that KP scan Fitness? It was KP, KP Fitness. Yeah, I remember that. But then once I started working there, I loved it. Like I was just around people and, and there I am. Like I get to use that energy that I had at school that was never appreciated. Mm. You know, I can be an intense person and connect with people and talk shit all day long. Yeah. And I get paid to do the things that I'm <laughs> gifted at. So that was part of it. Then from there, I helped build the franchise system and we um, I helped rebrand as well. I was part of it. You know, I wasn't the major person involved in it, but I was definitely part of that team. We did the rebranding. I'd go out and I started talking to other personal trainers. Now, we were one of the first people to sort of do integrated therapies and integrated, you know, sort of personal training stuff, which is where the industry is now. Yeah. We were one of the first. And so I would go out and educate other gyms and other personal trainers on how to do like integrated medicine and so on and work with physios. And then I got sort of headhunted to go to Fitness First when they first came here. Um, and then I got headhunted to go work in a medical center. And that was sort of there where I realized that everybody knows what to do. They just don't do it, which led me to the mindset stuff. You know, I think- Can I just jump into the, yeah. the personal training stuff? The, I'm, I'm really curious in, in if the 
actual personal training element where you are setting goals now, right, from a health point of view, the goal setting that you get from personal training, because everyone knows it's bloody hard to lose weight, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's really hard to get fit. It's really hard to find time, all the, all the above. Everything's hard. Exactly. Yeah. So the actual goal setting and the um, – and the the application to keep going and push yourself through. Because I remember you back then. You're pretty, you know, you're still fit now. But I remember you were very I was slim. A lot, and, yeah, I was a lot leaner. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm, you're living the high life now. So yeah, uh, I definitely am. Uh, there's food mixed with some weights training and that. And the, but then, but back then you were fit, you know. And I and um, I'm really curious. Do you believe that sort of propelled you? into the next phase of your life, the goal setting. I'm not saying everyone should go into personal training as a way mm. of propelling him into the next life, but more so the, the simple fact that um, the, the sport aspect, because I'm a true believer that sport in itself, it helps you work with teams, it helps you set goals, it helps you set common goals about, you know, winning mm. a premiership cup or anything at the end. I feel like personal training is almost in that same realm where we set ourselves, right, this week I'm going to train this many times, this time, this this time, and then by this week I'm going to lose two kilos, five kilos, ten kilos. And that sort of micro goal setting can is is an absolute fundamental for life. Yeah, I I guess I, I've, I've never really been good at that sort of stuff, mm. to be honest. Um, I A lot of the stuff that I teach is around value systems, and mm. so it's a field of study called axiology. Axiology is part of economics and also uh, metaphysics. Mm-hmm. Metaphysics is where do I feel valuable yep. and economics is where am I actually valuable within our society? Yeah. Um, because we all we are we're all a cog in the wheel mm-hmm. um, of of the economy. So that makes our our values. Most people think of values as like kindness and happiness and all that stuff which aren't values. They're social idealisms. Everyone thinks that they want that stuff, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really tell us where we're valuable. You know, I can't go out and I guess you could sort of sell the idea of happiness, but you can't actually sell happiness yeah, you know yeah. it's not a tangible product so um i think with personal training what what happened was when when i was a, a diesel mechanic i just knew there was something inside of me that just said you know something's not right here mm. and so i started looking and i think i think the thing that most people miss is actually courage uh, courage and commitment are probably the two things i think that the majority of people in our society lack yeah. Because they want certainty in their decisions, but there is no certainty. Mm. Like, I don't know what's going to happen today. I could walk out, get hit by a bus. Like, there's a million things that could go wrong. Yeah. What I know is that I'm certain right now around what's driving me. Now, I can use the clear I am. I can use that to drive me and create certainty. But the truth is I have no certainty whatsoever in life. I didn't know that COVID and all of that stuff was going to happen and that it was going to throw my business into turmoil. And like, I can't that stuff I can't control. But yeah. what I can control is how I feel about it and what I can do next. But that's based on the vision, the mission, and other other things. So when I was a personal trainer, I, I once I made that commitment to go and do it, I started realizing that courage had a lot more to play in the role of things. Also, was just throughout my life, from probably around that age, I just realized that there were things that some people do that help them to excel, and things that other people do that cause them to sort of get stuck. Yeah. And I just kept looking for those answers. And throughout my personal training career, even though you know, I, I was really fit back in the day and um, really, I guess I was shredded, you know, the six pack thing and the yeah, big yeah. muscles and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I, that wasn't because of my training schedule, my training routine. I just love training. Yeah. That's really what it came down to. It was yeah. like, I, I, I never really had a program. Like yeah. I just, I'd, I'd go, my program was, I'm going to train chest today. I'm going to do pull movements tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to have a day off the day after and probably do some cardio. And then the day after that, I'm going to do back. And I'd walk into the gym and I'd train however I felt like. Yeah. 
And what I found was that just the love of training was the thing that got me those results. It wasn't because I had the perfect plan and the perfect diet or anything like that. It was just the love of training, the you love found, of exercise. Yeah, you found what worked for you. Yeah, but I think some people, based on their value system, need more structure. I'm a non-structured person, so mm. I, I thrive really well in I, I, I call it ambiguous structure. Mm. Where like today, I know or I know on an average week, Tuesdays is my meeting day. Now I couldn't tell you what meetings I have next Tuesday because mm. I just don't know. I know that I have some team meetings in there. There's some client meetings and so on, but it's my meeting day. Today I've been you know I've been working for almost three weeks straight now. Today was sort of like a semi day off sort of. But of you know podcasting and things like that, it's not really work to me. It's just having a chat. Yeah, having a chat. Yeah, we could do it over a coffee. We could do yeah. it over a beer or whatever. But um, not that I drink beer, but you know we could. <laughs> so what's the health, mate? <laughs> yeah, I've just I've just found that I just I've I've found what works for me, and I've found what that flow is for me, and I think that's what's created that resilience. Is over time, if I get if I'm really really clear with what my values are, and I'm really really clear with what my mission is, and I really understand what my purpose is in life. And then I can set some core goals, which is sort of like stop-off points along the way. But I'm not really driven by my goals. To be honest, I don't even give a shit about them. I think most people overrate their goals and underrate their mission. Hmm. What I know is that I'm born to travel around the world and to be a high-level speaker and connect with amazing individuals who need to be supported because they're the people who inspire other people to be better. Hmm. That's my job. Um, I know that my purpose is to help people perform better. And I remind myself of that every morning when I wake up. I'm here to help people perform better and it starts with me. That's what I tell myself every morning. Yeah, so I have to perform before I can help others do that. Um, and if I just do that, things tend to work out anyway in the direction of my goals. If I'm not achieving my goals, it's because my goals aren't congruent with the rest of the shit. And mm. that's what, you know, people go, well, I want to go to the gym and I want to exercise and I want to get fit. But if it's incongruent with their high values of connecting with people and all their friends connect at the pub and things like that, then the goals that they have, it's not the goal that's the problem. It's just that they lack clarity around what's really congruent in their life. Mm. Yeah. They're just in, creating more internal conflict. I love it. We're going to deep dive. I want to deep dive into values mm -hmm. first, but I, I know personally because we do a lot of work with corporate government, uh, corporate um, businesses, governments, yep, um, private, private industry, but more of that high level corporate world mm -hmm. on culture, on leadership, on values, on missions, on missions, the whole you know the yep. whole piece. We we work with them on an organisational base, and um, so I know the area quite well. Mm -hmm. And really passionate about the purpose uh, piece and the mission and vision. The way I like to sort of um, the way I like to sort of think about the if you think of Elon Musk, right? Mm -hmm. His his vision is that humans are spread across the universe. Yeah. Yeah. The mission is he's going to help with that vision because he's going to put people on the moon, right? Mm -hmm. So he's kind of working towards that. And the way he's doing that now is creating all these businesses. He's creating you know SpaceX. Tesla, all these businesses, the boring company, all these businesses that are then sort of moving towards that direction. So I hear what you're saying. It's not so much about the goal setting. It's about surrounding yourself in a world and creating a world that is aligned to that spreading people across the universe. Mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your vision? Where do you want to go? What, what, what's your actual aim in, uh, in what you're doing? Yeah, well, so the purpose is really the guideline. So that's um, just helping people perform better. That's really what I love. and. Mm. From a young age, I, I've, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize what it was, and this has probably only been the last two years I've gotten clear with this, is even from a young age, I always saw people better than what they were. And I think I get really pissed off with people who don't see the gifts that they have, that, that they're given. Mm. Um, and that's why I love working just with people that are, I guess, driven. They've got um, big goals and big dreams. Like it's, um, in our company, the Mojo Human Performance Institute, um, some of our psychographics, our number one, 
is that you've got to have a big goal and a big dream. Because I find like you can't, if someone's walking around just kicking rocks in life and everything's too hard, they like that big goal, that big dream. They're not going to make any decisions to try and move in the right direction. They want external validation. They want external support and so on. I'm not there for that. I'm not a babysitter. What I am is I'm there to give people tools and hold them accountable to those things and say, fucking get up, go harder. Yeah. And, and they're the clients that I get. Like they're the people that I love working with. They're already driven. I don't have to drive them. I think one of the things that I have to do is show them how to relax without feeling guilty and beating the shit out of themselves. Mm. But that's that's most people that are driven. Mm. Um, even the mental health field, the majority of the mental health field is tied up around um, people that are struggling and, you know, and I will answer the question again as well. I know I'm off track. Um, <laughs> that's fine, but, um, You know, that's I find that that's a very common thing. There's so much knowledge out there around that. But when you're working with really driven people, it's almost the opposite. Okay. Like I don't have to teach people how to have drive. They have drive. What I have to do is teach them how to how to rest. Now, what they'll say is, I have a day off. You never have a day off if you're driven. Yeah. But because your brain is always switched on. But it's how do you utilize that and how do you uh, how are you okay with that? And how does that allow you to relax? Like mm. what are the tools that you have to rejuvenate and and not burn out? Because that's a big problem. Yeah. So coming back to the question, my purpose is like the thing that guides everything else. If the purpose is out of whack with anything that I'm trying to do, then I'm I'm off track with whatever I'm setting, whether it be the goal or the mission. Then from there, I had to get really, really clear with the mission of like, what are we actually trying to do? And it was, we wanted to create a, a global hub where people all around the world can perform at their best. Mm. And I wanted to be able to create um, scientific education tools. So it's not just the motivation, you know, you can do it. I hate those quotes. Like I see them all the time. Like, you know, you can do it. Oh, thanks. Like, <laughs> fuck, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That stuff just shits me to tears. I want to make, I want to educate people to think. And a lot of my quotes and stuff like that I put online. I get people sending messages. They're like, man, that was awesome. Because I know if I can just give them something to think about, then they're actually thinking. They're not thinking that they're thinking and trapped in that vicious cycle of just overthinking. Yeah. So that's that. Then the mission. Over the years, there's been lots of things that have really sparked my interest that are driving me. So um, the, the couple of really big things is I want to create a modern-day university, which is our era university. And I don't want to do it by... I mean, I hope I don't really offend because I know there'll be people from the university system listening <laughs> and all that stuff. But you know what? The university system is antiquated. It's outdated. It's bullshit. It's a fucking marketing scheme. They try to get people in to do courses. Like most people who do arts degrees don't know what they want to do in life. Now, there are definitely people out there who want to do arts degrees because they want to be in the arts. Yeah. But lots of people have no idea what they want to do when they leave school. Why are we dragging kids and throwing them into a university system when they have no idea what they want to do in life, mm. but they think they need to be in university? How many people are actually coming out of university and 10 years later are still working in the field of what they studied? And there's a massive drop-off. The reason? Because we're not giving kids the right tools to leave school and to understand what they're trying to achieve in life. And so it, it's just a, a massive scheme of, you know, just yeah, I think… Dealing with the masses, really. Well, it, it is, but it's, it's just… It, it's like, imagine this. Imagine you work extremely hard. So 13 years you go to school, you get somewhere where you can, you've got the intelligence and the ability to go to a university. And straight away I go, well, that's great. You don't know what you want to do. But if you just give me 40K, <laughs> you can just, you know, let's just gamble. Let's just yeah. roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah. Now, most people aren't going to leave school and go to the casino and slam, you know, chuck it, chuck it on the number on the, on the roulette table and just fucking spin the wheel yeah. and see what happens with 30 grand. But that's what we're doing to our kids. Hmm. I think that it's crazy. Now, some people know what they want to do. Um uh, you know, George um, Mandranus, uh, yeah. Dr. George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's one of my good friends still. Now, yeah. I remember sitting next to him at chemistry 
chemistry class, grade 11. I said, to- what do you want to do? And he said, mate, I just want to be a dentist. Yeah. No, he's still a dentist. He yeah. loves it. Yeah. He was that dude who just knew what he wanted to do, but the majority of people don't. No, I got a, one of my good friends, uh, Chris, yes, Michaelis, his name is, yep. is uh, since we met in year eight at, at school, uh, he, the first thing he said to me was, I'm going to be, <laughs> literally, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. And he's just um, literally... This week, I think he started his own consultancy as a neurosurgeon. She's gone through 15, 15 to 18 years of study. What a legend. Yeah, so those type of people, they're a, they're a unicorn almost, mm. aren't they? I'm the, but I'm kind of with you, mate. I, I didn't go to uni. Like mm. I'm, in a, I'm in a, I run a, manage, uh, sorry, I didn't go to uni when I left school. So I went back later. Um, I mean, I run my own management consultancy firms. We work with large corporate, well, in the large, with large corporate around how to help them with their culture, their people, their strategy, all that sort of space. You would think that anyone like myself went straight to school straight out of uni. I went straight into the working system. I worked my way up, started on a forklift, right? Mm-hmm. And I worked my way up, got into sales and slowly, slowly moved my way up the ranks. Then it was then when I said, actually, you know, this business caper, I kind of like this. So that's when I went and did my MBA. So that's the... Well, I mean, I enrolled into MBA halfway through it. I realized mm, I could learn more doing other things. So I went and did all these other bunch of courses. But yep. irrelevant, I think it. I kind of followed that same path that you did. Mm. I found what I, I, I went through all the hard yards, went through all the learnings, got demoted multiple times and then figured out along the way, actually, this is where I want to be yep. uh, and, and, and pigeonholed myself for that. So uni isn't the be all and end all. It, mm. is, it is not. You can... Um, forge a career without university however there is some good learning if you're doing what you love right? 100% but I just don't think that we're getting clear with that and and most people see like I get criticized quite a lot where people say well you don't have a psychology degree how can you give psychology advice and I go well what what is it that I say that's not in alignment with what you think you've been taught mm. and you watch them they go oh because they they don't reference it all they have is you need your, a piece of paper well yeah you're not qualified mm. well, what makes me not qualified because if I have the same knowledge and I've done all the same research and read all the same books and done all that sort of shit, I just haven't had to do with the rest of the crap that everyone else has to do. Yeah. What makes what I'm saying not – because what I'm saying is still the research and the mm. data. It's just it may not be in that yeah. system. So people still criticize it. But what I know is that the majority of that industry as well, just like every industry, are a whole bunch of lost people who went to university, got a certificate, and now they're trapped in a job and going – fuck, what do I really want to do with my life? Mm. And so when they're working with their customer or clients or customers or whatever, they're not thinking really about how to help the customer. They're thinking about how to help themselves because they're trying to figure out what the fuck is it that I'm really here to do. Mm. And they use, like if you look at the majority of the healthcare system, they're not healthy people. There are definitely healthy people in it. But the majority of the healthcare system are people who are unhealthy who are trying to figure out how to be healthy. The majority (laughs) of the psychology industry are people who tend to be you know, looking for answers to their own psychological problems and they're working with customers to try and figure it out. Yeah. The great people in any industry are the people who love doing what they do. And so they're in balls deep, you know, studying as much as they possibly can, learning as much as what they can because they want to be the best at what they do. And they're the top 5 to 10% in any industry that excel, that earn the majority of the money, that are the majority of the people who are doing great things in the world. And then the rest of the 95% of the industry is just average. Yeah. And that's There's a lot of average. Industry. There is a lot of average. Yeah. So, sorry, I just wanted to answer your question as yeah. well before yeah, no, we move no. on. So I want to create a vision that I've had for a long time now is I wanted to create the greatest university on the planet. And, <laughs> you know, I, I what I've noticed about universities, they always have amazing architecture. They always have, and this has gone back to the greatest study institutes, they've always had a relationships with cosmology and astronomy and 
the mysteries of the universe all intertwined into it in some way, shape or form. They've always had um, the greatest thinkers on the planet, but I think sometimes the greatest thinkers are also choked to death by that system as well. I want to give them the ability to just go, you know what, look, we're going to dive down the rabbit hole and whatever happens, happens without criticism, without saying, if you push too far one side and we think that it's it doesn't fit our paradigm, then you're booted out. And, you know, we see this with, um, there's a really great documentary about a doctor um, who, uh, this guy was a guy who uh, discovered AIDS. Mm-hmm. So he he's won a Nobel Prize. Uh, so he's a, I think he's, stu- he's like a, he studied biology or he's got a PhD in biology or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so this dude's won a Nobel Prize. Now you've got to think like one of the greatest scientists in history mm. goes out to try to find whether water can hold information or not, which then the home the homeopathy field jump onto that and go, well, he's pretty much proving that homeopathy works, which isn't what he's doing. Mm. But because that's there, the university system's coming and going, hang on, what are you doing? We don't want you doing this sort of study. But that's not what he's looking for. He's hold, he's, what he's trying to find is can water hold information and if so is this a new possibility for maybe our interpretation around what biology what's really happening in biology but also can it be used in technology and all those things um now he works from the car park of the university he had to set up his own laboratory because the university won't fund him because he's doing something a bit, a bit he's, he's doing something that's a bit extreme surely there's another university to pick him up I don't know. Go on. I'm getting into semantics, but yeah, go on, go on, have a look. There's an amazing documentary on it. Um, yeah, where he where he goes through and he's he's showing the research. Now he's not saying that well, it's right or wrong. He's just inquisitive. Yeah, I know. But you would think because aren't we 95 percent water or something like that? Wouldn't it? Uh, the human body? Yeah, the human body. Uh, I think it's like de- depending on yeah. what organ and so on, but uh, it's yeah. around about 70, 75. Uh, 70, yeah, but you would think that there'd be an element of that in there. You go, yeah, well, it's pretty. Sounds pretty le- le- legitimate. Anyway, but yeah, so one of my big goals is that in order to be able to do that, I need to be surrounded with the greatest people and also the greatest wealth creators because universities obviously cost a lot of money, but I don't want to do it through governments. I want to do it through private enterprise and create an amazing joint venture with people with large sums of money who want to leave a legacy as well. Mm. Um, And so I've just been building on this thing. Now that probably, I don't even know if it'll happen in my lifetime, but what I want to do is set it up to make sure that it does happen. Is that, uh, is it aimed towards the... Like after you finish year twelve, or are you going to try to bring it in earlier, or how, how do you? I haven't really thought that deep yeah. through it yet. I'm okay. just I'm, I can see the architecture, I can see the people that are working in there. Um, you know, I don't really care about PhDs and Nobel prizes. I just want people who are pushing the limits of science and pushing the limits of their field to have a place where they can go and know that they're going to get paid, and also have the greatest facilities. And you know, I want to make sure that it's sustainable and the architecture is absolutely phenomenal and using the greatest technologies and all that stuff in that university. So that's one of the things. I don't even know if I'll be able to do it in Australia because I'm not sure that there's enough money here to be able to fund it. Maybe, mm. maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, and that's that's questionable also. But that's one of my goals. The other one is to travel around the world and to work with the greatest thinkers on the planet, the greatest achievers, the greatest performers, because they really do need our help. And something that I'm, I'm really... Um, I won't use the word passion because the word passion, if you look at the etymology of it, means to suffer. Um, but um, something that I really love to do is help people who excel in their fields mm. because I believe that they're the people who are undersupported um, from our society just in general. Now, if it wasn't for the dudes driving Ferraris and driving amazing cars and people with beautiful houses and amazing bodies, I probably would have ended up just a piece of shit in jail. Like literally I would have because as a kid looking at someone, and I remember saying this, uh, I was with my family and a Ferrari drove past when I was a kid and I said, wow, look at that. And they said, you've got to have good money and do really well at school to be able to afford that. 
well, I have supercars now and I was none of those things. So those people were the people that inspired me enough to say, just focus on what you want and go after it. Stay hungry. Um, And so I think that they're a gift to society. We don't tend to look up to people who are struggling in life. We tend to look up to those who are doing great things. Mm. But the people who tend to do great things aren't as supported as those who tend to be struggling. And I want to I, I want to be able to be that person to be able to help them as well. I remember the Katy Perry documentary where, you know, she's breaking up with Russell Brand and she's um, on a plane and she's, you know, in tears and, she, you know, she's shaking saying, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. And they're saying, but you've got like 15, 20,000 people at the next location. And she's on tour. Like every day she's in a different location for the next like, 80 days. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Like the average person can't handle a marriage breakup, like even just in their normal life when they finish work at five o'clock. How do you do that when you've got 15, 20, 30,000 people expecting you to rock up and perform at your best every night and then you're back on a plane? Even just being on a plane daily is hard enough in itself. Let alone to before. All of that stuff. So it's lonely at the top though, right? That's the, that's, I think that's the point you're trying to make. It's it, to, to when you reach the top and you reach these levels, there is uh, so much pressure on your shoulders and from an every single day point of view, from the people looking down, from the people who rely on you, from the people like just your own internal thoughts, what's mm. next. And then everyone gives you shit as well because life's easy for you. Yeah. But they don't realize, you know, I had someone the other day who said, I just want financial freedom. And I said, what the fuck is that? Mm. And they go, well, it's where you get to do what you want, when you want, how you want. And I said, who do you know who's ever had that? Mm-hmm. There's always chasing I- more. Yeah, they stopped and they're like, well, no one. I said, because it's I've never met a person who's like that. The only person who ends up with that stuff is slowly destroying their wealth and slowly destroying their life. And that's called gluttony. The idea that people have a financial freedom isn't even real. Those who tend to, like, if you look at the laws of the universe, things expand or things contract. Nothing stays the same. And laws of nature, things grow or things die, nothing stays the same. So if your wealth isn't growing and expanding, it's contracting and dying. Mm. If your health isn't growing and expanding, then that area of life is contracting and dying, the same as any area of life. So the more money you make, the more responsibility you have. That more responsibility is more pressure, more people trying to get at your wealth, all of those things. It's just more challenge that you've got to deal yeah. with. I know a few people who are financially free. I'll challenge that. And I say Financially that, free or well, independent where well, they can make their own decisions well, and choose just, what they do? Yeah, I know a few people who have built businesses and sold it for quite quite a healthy sum. They're, they've just kept up with their purpose though i guess like this money is not the issue now they're just doing what they love but there's never enough money for that next big goal though well that's the thing and look and whatever that goal looks like they're they're giving back they're uh, they're trying to help people out trying to help other businesses and don't worry they're investing into these other businesses Mm. as well right but it's it's all it's always about how do i or i've learned i've done pretty well with myself how do I give back and help others grow? I mean, it's no different to what you're doing, right? You've done pretty well for yourself and now, yeah. you're, now, you're, now you're giving back. But I have more responsibilities now. I've yeah. got staff to pay. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like the idea of freedom is I don't have any responsibility. I can just sit around and, you know, get up whenever I want and just yeah. do whatever I want and hop on a plane. I've never met a person who can do that. Yeah, yeah. Money normally gives you more choice, but it doesn't give you freedom because there's more responsibilities. There's more people wanting to get at it. Like the more money I make, the more I get charities that call up and you've got to say no to them consistently. You've got... People who come to you with great ideas, people want more of your time, more of your energy, more of your resources. So there's other things that trap you as well. You might have more money and you might have more opportunity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're free. There's just yeah. a whole bunch of other things that go oh, with yeah. it as well. There's so many other levers getting pulled. Mm. If you're if you if you don't want people coming to you at every second of the day, I'm just gonna ask a question here. Um, not that you don't want that, but if if you're the pressure of of people coming and ask you charities, money, 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 right? Mm-hmm. 
but yet you drive around in a McLaren mm-hmm. where you're almost not showboating is not the right word, but you're showing that you've done well for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And look, I'm going to put it in context. If a real estate agent rocked up to my house and they've got this, they're driving this beaten up car, my question to myself will be like, are they the best real estate agent that I can find, right? Because yep. generally, I know that's not the judgment I should have, but it's it's there. We all have it. We all Whether have it, right? Whether people want to admit they judge or not, they judge. But do you need to go as high as a McLaren? Like does a McLaren need to tell is, or is that – because I remember earlier you said you love the car thing, you love mm. cars. So that is something that, that is obviously fundamental to your core. Mm. Do you find that that has a, an exterior effect on what people now perceive of you or do you not? It doesn't bother you at all? Um, it doesn't really bother me because I know – I think over the years – with what I teach, like I wouldn't be able to teach what I teach without being clear and congruent with who I am. And what I know is that I can be a nice person. I can be a kind person. I can look after people, but I can also be a prick. I'm an asshole. Mm. I can be a shithead. Like whatever you want to call me, I can be. Yeah. Now, we all have that inside of ourselves, but most people, they and a persona is the mask that we wear and our personality is who we believe we really are on the mm. inside. Now, most people are really conflicted between those things because they try to be kind to everybody, but at the inside, they give up their dreams and their goals and things like that um, in order to please others because they value other people's opinions over their own, which is why they're internally conflicted. What I know is that I have my values and I know who I am as a person. Now, I love my highest value is teaching and learning, so I do that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, My second highest value is connecting with um, I call them inspired people, but these are people that are driven and want to achieve more. Where they've hit rock bottom, where they don't have money or whatever, yeah. I don't really give a shit. Like it's not about the money. It's about that drive that they have to just go, you know what, I'm going to do something. And I'll always back someone like that mm. in some way, shape or form. Um, I've got my my health is also important and then business and wealth creation. So they're like my top four goals in life. Now, part of the reason that the McLaren was a strategic purchase and it was a strategic person because uh, purchase for many, many different reasons. Number one, I love cars and I've got the money to be able to do that now because I add a lot of value and yep, I'm good at what I do. Yeah, you don't yeah. Well, I, I think I do because a lot of people come up and they go, well, you're really lucky. I'm not fucking lucky. I work 100 hours a week yeah. for the last 30 years. My first year in business, I earned $30,000. My second year in business, I earned $30,000. Yeah. The third year in business, I earned $80,000. And the fourth year, I earned one2 mm. Now, everyone looks and goes, well, you're lucky because you've got a multi-million dollar company. Yeah, but- can you imagine leaving yeah. a $200,000 career to go and earn 30 yeah. grand? Well, since so that goes back to that overnight success, 10 years, right? 100%. Same thing. So, you know, the part of the reason why I, I I love cars and I gave up all my cars for that reason. So I used to have like, I had a Holden Statesman WH Caprice back <laughs> like two years old, massive rims on it, slammed yeah. to the ground. Like I've always loved cars. Even when we were yeah. at school, I had yeah, yeah. my Datsun and that thing was like off its chops. <laughs> I just, I love cars. Yeah. Um, or a diesel mechanic too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so but I just, I had this thing, my dad builds custom cars for a hobby. So mm. I've always been around cars and there's just something about them that inspires me. And it, normally there's a few things. Like if someone builds a car, it's, you get to see their creativity. So it's a piece of artwork. Now yeah. people buy expensive shit and put it up on the wall and that's art. Mm. But what you're really buying is you're buying someone else's creativity, their love, their, their inspiration in that piece. Mm. Now cars can be the same and that's what I love about them. Yeah. I go, I go to car nights now and, you know, 18-year-old kid comes up and they're like, oh, my God, your car's amazing. And I go, your car's awesome too. And they're like, oh, yeah, but it's not like yours. And, and they overemphasize like I've got that car because it's a – to me, it blows my mind the technology and 
that people put their heart and soul into building pretty much a race car for the road. And it is just the most amazing fucking thing. But I look at that other kid's 18 year old car and go, man, that's you. Like that's your creativity. That's, that's your expression in a car. That's just as good as that. Yeah. There's no difference. Like, yeah, the price point's completely different, but still like appreciate it for what it is. Mm. And so I appreciate things for what they are, not all the yeah, rest of the, the design that goes into it. So when it comes to the car, it was actually a strategic business play. And what I noticed was our industry is saturated. I get all these people, they come up and they go, you know, like my charge rate is, is fairly high. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the people that I work with can, can easily afford to pay that. Also our events and all of that sort of stuff, you, you know, I, I do extreme. I, I guess I do extremely well in our industry, but what I found was that there were so many people going, "Yeah, but there's like forty thousand other coaches on Facebook all telling me that they do what you do." Mm. I go, "Okay, well, how do we how do we play that game?" Like there I am, you know, I can show. You, last night I did a, 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 a we had a gala night, just an online gala night because mm. I wanted to get people to you know in Sydney, Melbourne, in lockdown, and I've been waiting to get dressed up and run a gala night for our <laughs> uh, um, for our community for the last three years, but yeah. because of COVID, we had to put it off a couple of years ago. We were tight with cash flow, so we weren't able to do it. So I just said to the team, fuck it, let's just do it. And, and so I had Sam Fricker there, who's an Olympic diver. Yeah. Um, he's one of my clients. Brad Smith, who was like two times Young Entrepreneur of the Year, four times uh, Telstra Business uh, Award winner or whatever, um, Young Australian of the Year. Like, um, And he's one of my close mates as well. Um, so I'm like, how do I, I – I can put photos of those people up online and the amazing people that I get to hang around, but that still doesn't separate me in my industry. Mm. So I was like, what can I do? And – um, the car that I, I really loved, it was the guy I'd followed for a long time on Instagram. And I said, if ever, if ever he's going to sell it, I'm going to buy it. Now I wasn't ready to buy it. it. Um, he, his name's Nico, but, uh, his, oh, yeah. um, his Instagram account's Dan Batman. Yeah. 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 I know Nico. Um, so I've, I've loved supercars and I've also got an R8 as well. Um, and it's my baby. Like every time I walk out to the shed, I just remind myself, keep believing in you. Cause one day I thought I want to have a, a supercar in the garage and everyone else didn't believe that I could do it, but I believed in me. And so that car is a reminder to keep believing in myself. Mm. That's why I have it. It's not to impress others. Like I get people at the time, they're like, oh, you just bought it to impress others. To be honest, I don't give a fuck what other people think. Mm. I didn't. If you buy a car to impress others, you're fucking lost. Yeah. If you buy anything to impress others, you're lost. And you appreciate their opinion of you more than you appreciate your opinion of you. Having a car just means that more people tell you what a wanky you are and what a dickhead and how stupid you are for spending that amount of money on a car. Mm. So to buy stuff to get people to appreciate you normally just means you get more people who don't appreciate you anyway. So it's, it is what it is. So that car came up and he put a post on Facebook and he said, you know, if anyone's or on Instagram, if anyone's looking to buy it, I'm thinking about selling it. I just, I was like, that's my car. Yeah. And it was the same with my R8. I looked, I looked for about a year and a half. And when I saw that car, I went, that's my car. I just knew. But prior to that, I was driving around for seven years. Can you imagine going to meetings with dudes who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, property investors, politicians, you know, all of these people. I'm rocking up, driving into the car park in my wife's 2003 Hyundai Gets that she bought brand new. The door handle's fucking falling off. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. driving down there in my cheap business suit yeah, yeah. and I'm parking next to the Ferraris and you Lambos. T- you actually, you tell yourself a different story, don't you? You actually, you almost self-internalize that you're not successful. I'm not I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form you have to go out and buy a brand new car to feel successful or be successful. I would tell people don't do it. Yeah. It's but, stupid. It's a liability. It absolutely. It costs a lot of money. It doesn't return any investment, right? But the investment that it well, does return. Yes, yeah, so I was going <laughs> yeah. to say the investment that does return it, there is a sense of I'm actually I'm doing okay. Mm. I'm actually on the way up. I'm I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm I'm improving every single day. It, it, it is the 
the ability to be able to afford those sort of things definitely has an impact on your on your self confidence too, doesn't it? Right? Because yeah. you are you are. I think I've heard you say this before, and it is a common speak in the industry. But you are the the average of the five people that you hang around, mm. and their wages and their thoughts and all the above that come into it. So, uh, material items, they're uh, they're not they're not necessarily what create is not. That's not what success looks mm. like. Success, I think, goes back to. I know you don't like the word happiness, but it is more contentment. Right? I'm content with where I'm at. I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm very content with who I am and the way I treat people. Mm. I think as long as we come back to that core, we're always going to be okay. Everything in life, I think, externally is just an amplifier of who we are. Mm. So I say this in my events, like if you judge a person based on how much money they do or don't have, that says more about you than anything else. Absolutely. Because money just amplifies things. It amplifies good behaviors, it amplifies bad behaviors. You know, I've, I've watched people you know, win 10 grand and they'll go and blow it within a week. Mm. You watch people who work hard for 10 grand and some of them go and blow it in a week. You work, you watch people who get 10 grand and go and invest it and do stuff like that and they get a return over time. Yeah. And they're the ones who seem to get ahead. Mm. So you, money just amplifies things and I think most of the things outside just amplify. If you buy a car to impress people because you're trying to get praise and respect, you normally get the complete opposite to break your fantasy that you have around that. Now, with my cars, I get both sides. I get people every day my Instagram account's down at the moment. But um, I get people every day yeah, telling well, yeah, me what a dickhead I am yeah. <laughs> um, because of the cars that I have and the lifestyle that I live. But I get people who say I'm inspiring. So what do I do? Do I keep adapting for for 8 billion people on the planet to try and please everybody or no. do I just be myself and do me? Well, you found your niche, right? Yeah. You found your niche. You found your calling. You found your tribe. There well, are, I found me. Well, that's right. But but mm. it's also if you're going to um, – if you're going to try to appease everyone in the world, you're going to be a very, very miserable human being. Like That's it, most people though, yeah, right? Agreed. And um, if you if you stick to what you do and you love what you do, I think the um, Daniel Pink, you know Daniel Pink, the author no. Daniel Pink, he wrote a book called Drive. He's, he's written another many books called To Sell as Human. Okay. He, Drive is, is for me, is, is a very, is an excellent book because he talks about what drives people mm. and it's autonomy it's purpose and it's mastery you can mm. if you can wrap those three up all right it's creating a sense of you know continue like um, repetition within your life and that repetition might be the continual growth and the steps that you take to, to move forward the autonomy uh, sorry the the purpose is exactly what you talk about finding your own value within mm. the world and then the mastery is becoming the best at it right it's the 10,000 hour rule you tend you know the yep. Yep. yeah the 10,000 hour rule do 10,000 hours of it and you become a master at it and that's and you start actually enjoying it more the more and more mm. you go through it. those first thousand hours they suck because <laughs> you're not good you mm. make mistakes um, but once you start, once you break through that barrier, and you, it, it's really surprising because what I, one of the questions I was going to ask you, mm. uh, and this sort of ties in with where I'm going. If we talk about ten thousand hours, and then we talk about those ten years before you actually make it overnight, six or mm. the above. If you if you look at that from a, a mastery point of view, that's really hard to break through that those first thousand hours and not give up, mm. right? Um, when you push yourself through those those thousand hours, and there's a, this sense of uh, imposter syndrome, surely you would have had an imposter syndrome at some point in your life, mm. and you probably still suffer it from today. And I do, we all do. Those who generally move up the ranks have that feeling. Um, how did you manage that? How did you manage the thought process of? And I know you, you can, you know, I know you, you don't think about what other people say and all this sort of stuff, but there is an element of I'm going out there and I'm telling how to people create a life 
when I may not have done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so is it a case of just being one step ahead or like how do you how do you view it? Well, so that's the problem, right, is that our industry is, um, to put it in a nice term, is fake as fuck because yeah. there's a whole bunch of dudes on stage or guys and girls who get out there and they say, you know, and a great example of this, right, I go and speak at this um, seminar and this event and there's this spiritual guru there or whatever yeah. and he, he gets up and, you know, he puts on his whole like, yeah, you know, we're here Deep today yeah. because of, to find our peace. And so he's talking slow and he's doing all this stuff. You know, we need to be non-judgmental and we need to walk forward in the face of non-judgment and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's bullshit. I've never met a person who doesn't judge. Like if I honestly walked up and took a shit on that dude's lap, he would judge me. <laughs> We're human, right? We there, there's What I find is because I've studied a lot of philosophy and metaphysics, but I also study a lot of hard science as well. And I try to bridge the gap between those two because mm. great thinkers understand that you need both. Yeah. Um, philosophy asks the questions and then the science proves or disproves whether we're on the right track or not so um you need both so this whole idea of non-judgment is a metaphysical construct that that happens when it's called a point of enlightenment within the brain and um, science is starting to get there now with scientifically proving it if we can keep going down the path i believe and this is my belief of biophotonics because it's now starting to become scientifically proven that cells can communicate through light as well. Mm. So this is an interesting field of study um, that's becoming a little bit more prevalent now. And, and we it's, it, it's being used in medicine a little bit more as well as like um, different light therapies and, and so on. But anyway, I won't go too far down that path. But the point of enlightenment, supposedly in, if you look at how light, I'm just going to try and say this in the easiest way. When light is observed, it separates between a particle and an antiparticle. Now, I'm probably going to butcher this, so physicists are going to send me death threats and stuff. But you get a particle and an antiparticle, and they split, and it creates a physical form or a physical construct. Yeah. Um, now, this is debated as well in neuroscience. So there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. But it looks like in our brain that Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, when they were talking about the conscious and the unconscious mind, were talking about these splits of charges within the brain structure that we have something called an anti-memory and a memory. The memory is what we're aware of and the anti-memory is the part of what happened that we're unaware of. Now, studies in psychology is showing that around 50% of all the stories that we have are false, that we just make shit up. Mm. And we make shit up to suit whatever whatever we think is happening in that time. Now, that looks like it gets stored in anti-memory. When they come together, they create a moment of enlightenment. And I'll, I'll answer the question again because like I go off track and then I bring <laughs> it back. Um, that's just my way of, that's my way of educating. No, that's fine. So anyway, um. This guy is talking about non-judgment. It's a metaphysical construct. It's not a physical construct in a world that we live in, which is right here in front of us right now. So this guy goes backstage and he loses his shit. Mm. And he's losing his shit because someone put cheese in his vegan sandwich, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a dude. I'm like, dude, why, why are you judging the cheese, man? Just eat it. <laughs> you know, like, so there's this whole false construct in a lot of society around what should happen and how we should behave. I tell people all the time, I'm shit at 99% of things. I'm good at the 1% of things that I've found that I love to do. Mm. So most people that I meet try to be good at everything, which is why they're pretty much shit at everything because yeah. they never really find that thing. Like I, I get people who say to me, like customers will ring me up and they go, oh, can you just look up my file? And I go, I've got no idea. And they go, but it's your business. And I go, yeah, but I'm not good at it. So I don't do it. Mm. I'm good at what I do, which is teaching and learning, mm. especially in the area of mental performance. Other than that, I'm shit at most things. So I teach people. Just be shit at pretty much everything apart from the thing that you're good <laughs> Find at. Find your niche in it, really. 100%. And then I teach people like I'm on a journey of life of self-discovery as are we all. So don't look up to me because when you look up to me, you're already setting yourself up to put yourself down. Most people don't realize that the chaos inside of their head is because they keep looking up to people, mm. thinking that other people have what they don't inside of them. 
They're confused about what they're really trying to do, which causes themselves to beat themselves up. Yeah. That's not the way it's to success. It's comparison, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's unfair. Like, mm. I'm not you. You're not me. So no. why do I compare it? No. What I can do is look at you and go, here's some things you do really, really well, and that's inspiring. And that gives me inspiration. And then there's a whole bunch of things in your life that you're probably really shit at, just like I am as well. Yeah. So if I want to be inspired by the things you do well, it reminds me of my greatness and to go and find what I'm good at. And then we can all go on a journey of life. What I teach is I teach scientific tools and tools that have seemed to work to help people perform better. Mm. But I tell people all the time, don't look up to me, number one, because I don't have my shit figured out. <laughs> That's a really bad strategy for life. Mm. Number two, I've excelled from where I've come from in life to get to where I am today. Now, if you want to go and follow some of those great learnings that I've got, fantastic. Mm. But at the same time, there's so much more that I'm, I'm here to discover. Don't look at me and think, I, like, if you see me walking across water, I've figured all my shit out. <laughs> but until that time, don't look up to anybody. Yeah. And so, you know, in response to that question, I, I think that, you know, there's, I, I think that it's a really bad idea for our industry to teach people that we've got stuff figured out because we don't. Mm. Every business owner I meet who I talk to, they're like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's everybody. Mm. Don't worry about it. Like you don't know the next step in business. That's why we need to learn from people. That's why we need to surround ourselves with other people who have been on the journey and they have little bits and pieces that we can learn from yeah. and integrate it into our own journey, which then helps us to excel. To think that you're going to do it by yourself is absolutely ludicrous and stupid and it holds most people back. Mm. And every week I meet people go, I'll figure it out myself. Good luck. Yeah. Well, that's where overwhelm comes from, right? And when you talk about finding your niche, if you're good at sales, stick to sales. Mm. If you pull someone in, find a virtual assistant to do your admin work, right? Like Mm. that's kind of don't spend time on doing the stuff that is is going to take up more of your time and create you angst because mm. um, then that's when the sense of overwhelm comes. If you are great at sales, go out and concentrate on sales. Mm. Pull someone in to help you do all the other stuff. 100% if you agree. say, I don't have enough money, then work harder or do a little more or find a system that works or that's smarter or for, mm. you know, move to, move to um, software which can help sim- – um, uh, the process, uh, like you know, CRM or something like that, where you have all your customer information data, and that manages all you mean. Like, there's so many other ways to skin a cat. Yeah, it's about finding those single ways. I will challenge you on the don't look up to people though. Like, mm. I feel like there are some really great people in the world. So looking up to them, I'm, I don't. I look up to a lot of people. I kind of I'm a people collector. I love people. I always uh, I have a man crush and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I look up to people because I really like what they've done. I really like what their purpose is. I really like what they've achieved. And I want to learn from their achievements. I don't necessarily want to attain their level of success or I want to earn the same amount of money as them, but I look at what they've done and I, and then basically I pull that into my own world and go, how can I apply that information or those experiences that that person's had and place it into my world where I can learn from it and, and, and you know, execute on that within my own business or within my own life or the way I raise my family or the way I mm-hmm. raise, you know, or the way I walk out on the street, whatever it might be. Mm. So there is, there is a... I think don't compare yourself to other people. You can't look up to people without a comparative. So this is why I've excelled in my field because I really go and study things in depth. Mm. Like the word passion means to suffer. I tell people, don't go and find what you're passionate about because you will suffer. Mm. Passion is an elated state. What goes up has to come back down. But if you find what you love, love is a balance. It's It's a symmetry, which is why it's used in religion and why it's used in philosophy. And even the greatest scientists use the word love. Like Albert Einstein, if you read his works, um, and, and there's many other people as well, um, you know, Richard Feynman and, and people like that, the great physicists, they use the word love. Love is a symmetry between complementary opposites, which means that 
if I love something like, do you have kids? Yes. Yep. So when you look at your kids and you go, I love my kids, there's part of you that goes, they're the worst thing that ever happened to me and the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> that's, and that, That's a saying I use every day. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's love, right? Because yeah. there's part of you that goes that they have both sides. You get to see that right in front of you and you go, yeah. I love those kids because you get the best and the worst from them. Yeah. Um, and it makes you a better With person. kids, I'll charge, I'll charge on that. The, yeah. the best and the worst. The best is the, the feelings that you get and the worst is the feelings that you get, right? 100%. Like it's all in this, it's all wrapped up in that same bunch because it's the, it's the fear of losing them. It's the fear of them making mistakes. It's the fear of them not. And then it's also the, the love that you get back from them mm. and the desire and the want and need that they have from you. So all that is wrapped up into that feeling space. Yep. An emotion space. You can't have one without the other when it comes to love. So in a in a loving relationship, there's less passion, so there's less excitement, but there's less volatility. Mm. And a loving relationship means you look at your partner and you go, you know what, you're the best and the worst thing that ever happened to me. And you see both of them, you see the best and the worst. Whereas when you start dating someone, you're in a, you're in passion. And passion is, you know, they get home from work, they have a shower, they put all their deodorant on, they smell great, they get all dressed up. Now, all of that stuff, you're, you're showing the best of yourself to the person and hiding all the other shit, right? Yeah. But that's how we start relationships because you can't just go there and go, hey, look, I'll be honest with you. You know, you look really hot tonight, but at the same time, like, I just want to be upfront with you. Um, when I go to the bathroom and I do twosies, I leave the door open. Now, I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> By the way, if I have dairy, I get a lot of gas, yeah. like, you know, and, um, you know, I tend to leave shit around the place quite a fair bit as well. Like, I don't, you know, and I'm not the best with my diet. And if you don't mind, like I go out with the boys on the weekend, so I hope you don't mind playing second to them. We don't show that side of ourselves, but we learn that when we start living with a person and that's how we start creating love and we move more towards love and and that creates volatilities as well. It creates arguments and it creates it forces us to communicate more effectively and understand someone. Mm. So the more we understand someone, the more we have love for them, but the more we see both their sides. When you're passionate, you only see one side. Mm. And so when people follow their passions, it's normally an elated state or it's a fantasy that they have around what they think. Now, when we look up to someone like I, if I look up to Elon Musk, I go, man, that guy's got an easy life. You know, he's out there, he's doing what he loves, he's crushing it, he's got all this money. You know, what? that's a fantasy, it's a delusion. Mm. And you're looking up to them going, I wish I had that. But at the same time, when you see that, you see the best of them, but you don't see the other side. Mm. That automatically creates a delusion in your head, which then starts to put yourself down because that's what you think you have to be. And it creates mm. that comparison. So I always ask people like, and I, I try to clarify the languaging that they're using so that it helps them to understand what's really oh, going yeah. inside their the head. The language is powerful. Yeah. So when when I'm inspired by someone, like I've read and studied a lot around Elon Musk. When you look at him, I go, I wouldn't have that guy's life. But no, I think that, I'm the same. I, yeah, <laughs> this guy's extreme. Yeah, and <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't have his life. But there are parts of what he does that I really appreciate, and I, I, um, you know, I don't admire his life. But what I think is there are parts of what he does that I that really inspire me, like his drive, his determination, his tenacity, all of those things. And when I look at that, I go, I'm inspired by it, but I don't want that. Mm. Okay. That's inspiration. That's not that's not looking up to people. Mm. And so, you know, I get it with the cars and stuff where people go, you know, you're so lucky and life's easy. And, and I'm like, hang on, fuck. And I tell them, you know, I that's one of the most common things. I'll stop at traffic lights and go, man, it's an amazing car. Like, you're so lucky. And I go, man, it's like 30 years of hard or 15 years of hard work. And and I'm, I, just, I try to get them to just like see it for what it is. Yeah. Does it depend on who you talk to? Because like, if I looked up to you right now, like if I said I looked at Michael Johnson's life and so he drives McLaren, he's doing all this stuff, he's, you know, global speaker, all the above, there's an element of me that go, that I don't, I don't sit there and go, it's easy. There's definitely not that has ever entered my mm-hmm. head. It's My head goes to 
I can only imagine the hours he's put in. Like, and this is exactly where the question comes from of, you know, mm. the overnight success thing is I know what you're going through and what you've what you've been through. And I sleep on the couch normally twice a week because yeah. my brain's gone crazy yeah, and I can't 100%. sleep. Yeah, 100%. And it's just nonstop. It's relentless. Mm. And, you, and you, you're right. If you've got a team of people that, you know, not, not that they rely on you to put food on their table, but they're part of the ecosystem that you mm. are involved in, that you are helping them put food on their table. They've chosen to work with you. They've chosen to support you. They've chosen to work for your cause and, 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 and help you along the way. Mm. Therefore, there is an element of responsibility, right? And 100%. That, that gut feeling, like I know everything you're feeling. So I've gone well, like six to eight months without a wage. Yeah, exactly. Just because of, you know, putting, reinvesting more money back into the company to make it to grow and open up more opportunities. You know, when I have people who come to me and they say things like that, like, you know, you are lucky because you've got all these things. Yeah, but you don't see like, what about the six months last year I went without a wage? Mm. You know, yeah, but you're still lucky. And you go, but you, okay, like I'll just smile then. And that's that's the pedestaling thing. Yeah. Like I try to give them the balanced perspective. And I think when you're balanced, you can be inspired. Like I'm inspired by a lot of things that people do. You know, I'm inspired that I'm here today doing this. Like mm. it's it's cool. You mm. know, it's it's cool that people are pushing. But that doesn't mean that I want to be you. It doesn't mean that there, there are just there's an appreciation and, a, and an understanding around yeah. what it takes. When you're like that, you become a lot more stable as an individual. When you look up to people and you create fantasies, you put yourself down inside your head. So anytime someone's putting themselves down, it's what I've found. And and you know, I'm not saying that I know everything around the psychology and human behavior. But what I notice is that there is a consistent pattern of behavior that when people beat themselves up, it's because they're comparing themselves to somebody else. Oh, without doubt. So don't compare. Yeah, compar- comparison isn't absolute evil. It, mm. I think the the when you do look at someone, maybe looking up to someone is not the right language. Maybe mm. it's look at what someone does like an Elon or a Michael Johnson or whoever mm. it might be. Look at what they've done. Learn from their experiences. Learn how you can apply what they've learned, right? Because mm. I, I read – I love reading autobiographies really yep. because I can learn about – what they did and where they went wrong and how I can avoid that pitfall. Yes. Right? Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't read the autobiographies because I want to be that person or I want to be like them or I want to be like, if, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger autobiography is one of the best, I think, because um, it's it, it shows you his grit and determination through it. But I don't want to be the world's best bodybuilder. Mm. I don't want to be an actor. But I absolutely learn from his his failures along the way and mm. I, I pick up and go yes i can apply that here and this is where i can actually ooh, that's a good thing i can avoid that or the mentality of of actually of getting through so yeah look i'm conscious of your time that's okay where uh we've got um i've got a thousand other questions that we didn't get through we, we can keep going i still got another 20 minutes <laughs> yeah what what we do at the end of uh at the end of every podcast is we ask a whole bunch of uh, quick fire questions that never end up being quick fire so nah, this could go say, i'm the worst for this <laughs> but we are big readers here at the creating synergy podcast we always talk about books and i've seen a few of your videos there's a beautiful uh, bookshelf in the back there yep what is a book that you're reading right now uh Oh, I'm oh. There's two that I'm reading at the moment. It's Warren Buffett's new book, uh, where he goes down. And he breaks out. Uh, well, it's not new. It's probably about three years old. But um, it's sorry. His it's latest Warren Buffett. It's it's Mary Buffett's book on okay. Warren Buffett and his investing strategies. Oh wow! So just reading that, how they how he breaks down like the profit and loss and the cash flow and the forecasting yeah, and nice. all that sort of stuff. Um, so I've been reading that, but I just I normally only read two or three pages every couple of days, and I yep. just sort of let it brew and then. Um, so that's one. Uh, the other one is I'm reading Napoleon Hill's book, How to Sell Your Way Through Life. 
Uh, it's a book I've read many, many times, but I've just I've been doing a lot of sales training and, and developing a lot of sales training, mm. both for my team. But I've just um, I've developed this amazing love for sales, and mm. I really I really enjoy it. And I think most people leave so much on the table when it comes to selling. Um, and so yeah, I've just been reading that, and also uh, the Way of the Wolf by uh, Jordan Belford as well. Um, <laughs> just on his sales strategies. Um, I, t- I tend to only learn things that I want to implement. So yeah. you know, I go through stages where I go, you know, I want our sales team to be the best. So I'm just going to read as much as I can, be pun, and then I just create my own trainings and my own stuff by integrating a whole bunch of knowledge. So yeah, I've- I could give you a thousand sales books. Have you um, uh, Jeb Blunt? I love his stuff. He's got like sales EQ. Okay. So emotional intelligence in sales. I reckon that's if anyone's listening because you can go and pitch, you can do this, but it's actually having the emotional intelligence when you're selling, being able to read cues, uh, all that sort of stuff. Get yeah. On, get on to, get into that. World. I'll definitely check that out. I'll write, I'll write it down. <laughs> I'll, I'll grab it. But um, yeah, so they're the books that I'm reading at the moment. Um, What's one book that you would recommend? Like, you know, if we're talking low hanging fruit, you help people get unstuck. You help people uh, reach their potential. What is one book that you would recommend to most people that you feel, I know it's, I know it's very, Shit. it's a very, very generic, I know, very generic. For someone who's looking to get out of the rut, let me be more specific. Someone who's wanting to go, right, let's, let's move forward. Let's do what I did and uh, how do I create my own purpose, whatever. Look, I think if you're in a rut, go and find something that's inspiring to you and read that. So mm. whatever that is, like mm. if I, my, my sister is one of the most amazing people that I've come across. And, you know, I get to, as I said, I work with billionaires and professional athletes and, you know, people were doing cool shit around the place as well, you know, top level executives. And I, I I meet those people, but I also meet just people who are extraordinary at what they do. Mm. And my sister's one of those people. Now, she's an amazing mum. Like, she's just fucking incredible. Mm. And I don't know how she figured it out, but she was just like, when she had kids, she just, there's a way that she understands my niece and nephew like I've never seen before. Mm. I'll give you an example if you don't mind. Like, Go for it. So, this is why these are never quick quiet. <laughs> yeah, it's my niece's birthday today actually. And, um, oh, happy birthday. So she builds this, um, I don't know, it was like made out of plaster or whatever uh, and it's like sort of a dragon or an animal yeah. sort of thing. So she goes to put it in the car um, after school and it's for my brother-in-law. It's for his birthday. Yeah. And so it's his birthday. It's Friday afternoon and Saturday, and Saturday morning. Um, you know, She's going to give it to him. So as they go to get out the car, it breaks and the leg falls off. So she bursts into tears and all that. And my sister, that's all right. We'll glue it back together. So they glued it back together and everything's good. In the morning, they go to get it out and it falls apart, mm. right? So this thing just, they pick it up and it just falls to bits. Ella's screaming. She's in tears. And my sister said, hey, look, how about we do this? How about we give dad some super glue and we give him this and say that it's a jigsaw puzzle and he gets to put it together? Yeah, brilliant. Changes immediately. Yeah. And, you know, that gives me chills. Like yeah, yeah, anytime yeah. I see someone who's doing something inspiring that they love to do, it, I, 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 don't, I don't tell people go and start a business because I think it's stupid for the majority of people. <laughs> I don't tell people to go and become a parent because it's stupid for most people. Mm. People need to find out who they are and be great at what they do, whatever, yeah. that, whatever that is. In fact, most people shouldn't start a business because it's not in their values and they don't understand what it really takes in order to excel in it. And really, they're just buying themselves a job, if anything. And they're yeah. going to get paid a little bit more but they're also going to have to do paperwork, tax, you know, accounting if they've got no, legal issues, customer yeah. service problems, all of those things. They're going to be worse off by having a business. Now, you know, if, if they're a bit lost, I would just recommend go and find what you love. So if my sister said, you know, what, what could I read? I would say if you love parenting, go and read a book on parenting or yeah. go and read a book on someone who inspires you to, read, to, to give you that feeling again and then go out there and do it. And yeah. it might not be a book. It might be a movie or – so there's some way it might be music, whatever it is, go and find that thing that inspires you again. 
because it changes the way your brain works. And you go from being in the amygdala, um, which is the emotional center of the brain, up into the executive center, which is the prefrontal cortex, the most evolved part of the brain, which then helps you to think clearly and you regulate and govern your emotions. And all emotions are bipolar. They're cyclical. Yeah. So you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And that's why we have mood swings because we swing back and yeah, forth. Yeah, 100%. The pendulum. Um, yeah. So, uh, so find that's the love my recommendation. Of, find the love of learning, right? Uh, oh, if you love learning because some people don't like learning. So go well, and find what you love and then figure out how you can be around that. Surround yeah, yourself with it, fair. whether it's learning or not. What's the one lesson that's taking you the longest to learn? Shit, I'm still learning it. Uh, I need my wife here because she probably she'll probably tell, tell me. Um, you, you know when you when you're married and you know I, I come home one day and I've had like this amazing conversation with someone. I go, oh, they said to do this, and she just looks at me and she goes, "I've been telling you that same fucking thing for years." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's you." You're yeah, like, but I don't listen to you. Yeah, yeah I listen to uh, people who I pay million dollars for. Oh. <laughs> so, um, look. I don't, I don't really know. I don't have an answer to that question because I tend to learn what I need to learn at the time that I'm ready to learn it. And mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I wouldn't say, I, I think I, I try to teach people as well. Life is just school, right? You go through grade one, you get a whole bunch of lessons, then you get a test. Mm. If you pass that test, you go to the next grade and it's just the same shit, just mm. at a different level. Yeah. Um, and so this is why that whole idea of financial freedom, I don't believe in because if you're growing your wealth, you just have different levels of problems and challenge and there's never enough money to be able to do the next big dream or the next big thing because it's on the next level of where you want to get to. Mm. So you have this consistent battle of growth and you have consistent challenges, you have consistent criticisms. You know, the more popular you become, the more famous you become, the more people dislike you. So if you can't deal with one person disliking you, how are you going to have 50 people mm. and 100 or thousands? So it seems to me like we just go through these levels and we get tests. If you fail the test and you don't learn what you need to learn, you have to repeat that grade and you repeat the lesson. And sometimes, you know, I had a guy recently who came to my events. I've known this guy for about 13 years. And I said, you need to come to our Thrive Time event, which is the event where you get everything really, really clear with what you're trying to achieve in life. Um, and he said, you know, I'm pretty clear with what I need to do. And I said, dude, how much money have you lost since you've known me? Mm. He said, probably about 15 mil. And I said, that's exactly yeah. why you need to come because you keep repeating the same lesson with business. You keep banging your head against the wall. You grow a business really, really quickly. And you're amazing at sales and you're amazing at bringing people together. But the problem is that you don't, you don't slow down for the infrastructure to, mm. to build up. And so then eventually the business crashes and you might lose five to $10 million of five, you know, three to five years of extremely hard work mm. to get there. And you end up back at the same position. Yeah. Why don't you learn how to keep it? Mm. And so that's- Well, it's no different to somebody who wins the lottery, right? Yeah. I don't know how that you ha you're not at the level to understand how finance, how well, how money works to be able to spend that money. This is why most people blow it in the first so many years because um, you you haven't, you know, walked up those steps of, of learning to be able to. Everything is a step in life. Mm. You, if, you, uh, if you jump a few steps, you're going to get caught out. It's pretty simple. Well, I don't think you can jump a few mm. steps. I think we get given that's a test, right? So the test is like, I've always wanted to win the lotto and now I've got the lottery win. What yeah. am I going to do with it? Yeah. If you fail that test, then you go back, you fail, you got to go back to the yeah. start again and repeat the grades. Yeah. So, snakes and ladders, mate. It's, yeah. <laughs> and you know, some people keep dating the same women as well. I've got mates of mine, they're like, this is my new girlfriend, you know, Cindy. And I'm like, shit, Cindy looks the same as Lisa. She's the same as Lisa. She talks the same. She's got the same shit going on. Like, what don't you see? Yeah. You have He's like, it's thing. different. Mm. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's good. I, I don't um, have an answer for you, that. You, uh, you love surrounding yourself around other people. If you could invite three people for dinner, who would it be? Um, oh man, that's going to be a, a really challenging list. Look, 
at the moment, if I had to answer that question, um, my wife. Oh, you nailed it. You know, I was going to call you on that just because. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I passed the test. <laughs> you did well. Um, um, look, in order to be with someone like me, you need to be an extremely strong person because mm. I'm an extremely mental person to be around. Yeah. And, you know, um, I push hard. I break the the boundaries. I, I do things that are outside of the norm. Um, and she's that person who goes, that's just Michael. Mm. And that's. I think that's what I love about her and also her consistent growth because as the business grows, she runs our operations. Mm. So there I'm making these huge commitments to doing crazy shit and she's gone, fuck, I hope this works because she can't see the vision. <laughs> so she has a lot of courage. So I definitely it would be her um, and I don't spend enough time with her. That's why it would probably be a good good date night. Yeah. Um, I think there would be – there's a few people. I don't think I could bring it down to three, but um, if I had to, I think – being around someone like an Einstein or a Stephen Hawking because I love science. Um, there's also a few others as well, like Richard Feynman, who's an amazing physicist. Yeah, Richard, be great. Um, there's, there's a few others in my head. Um, I, I think that they would be really, really great people. Like I, I love how committed scientists are, the great scientists to their fields. Mm. And I have so much respect for them that they can have so much dedication and I think scientific research is such a bitch of a field because yeah. someone like me comes along and I grab a piece of research and I can read it in like two or eight minutes and I get years and years of okay. them just making mistakes and being dedicated. Um, and so I have a massive amount of respect for those people. So they would definitely be one. I think an Elon Musk would be pretty crazy as well or <laughs> even a Warren Buffett or any of the rich listers as well. Like, um, you know, I was fortunate enough only recently um, – uh, person who I've, I've become friends with um you know is uh, toby pierce who sold you know oh, yeah. sweat yeah um and you know we're just, we're just in the gym we're having a training session and i said to him because i was struggling with business for a little bit and at the level with our growth and i just said to him like dude what was your biggest learning in business at, at, at my size and he said well mate you hire a whole bunch of staff to come in to help take pressure off but then you realize that they need management and now you become the manager as well as doing your job mm -hmm. so it becomes more pressure then he said, then you hire managers and you realize that the managers need management as well. And then they go off track and then they're looking after other people. And it just becomes this big, like massive stressful clusterfuck of like problems and stress <laughs> and shit. And anyone with a scaling business knows exactly what I'm talking about or anyone who's scaled a business. And he said, but then you get to a point where you just hire a really good executive, like a really good executive manager where they come in and they're almost, they think like an entrepreneur, they treat the business like, an, like they're entrepreneurial, but at the same time, they can manage, they can manage all the systems and the processes. And he said, and you've got to pay them really well, which is a conundrum because you go cash flow is tight, but I need this person. And he said, that was probably the greatest lesson. Now, I went and implemented that in our business by hiring our new GM that we've got. And I would say that my stress levels have reduced by like 80% by yeah. that one thing. So, you know, even someone like, like Toby or anyone who has had a business that's done really, really well, I think you need to have them if you're a business owner in a circle because they've gone through that shit yeah. and they've spent years making those mistakes and it can just be those little things. So I think one would have to be a scientist, one would be an entrepreneur and one would be Jess. Well done. I love it. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go? Oh, yeah. man, these questions are shocking. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't know because I wouldn't go back with anything in my life because I don't really get regrets. Like there's normally always a learning and things like that. Like there's plenty of shit that I've done that, you know, in my little dark closet that we all have that we don't want exposed. But, um, you know, I think that there's always lessons and learnings in everything that you do. I think 
there are times in history I'd love to go back to and just sort of see what's going on. I think there's there's a beauty I think around like the 1920s and the 1930s around how you could just go out and people knew each other around the streets and mm. I love those days of people just getting dressed up. You know the guys in the bowlers caps yeah. and I just I love that yeah, era. Yeah. There was no track pants back then. No, <laughs> it was like you, you know you'd literally people would get dressed up. I still dress up to yeah. go on an airplane because yeah. I think that I think that it's incredible that I get to fly through the sky. That yeah. You know, right now for 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 probably even tens of thousands of years or, or however long humans have been around, we probably looked at birds going, that's amazing. Mm. And we get to do that same thing. So I still, it blows my mind every time I get on a plane, I, I get the tingles and I'm just like, yeah. I'm fucking flying. This yeah. is cool. Um, <laughs> but I, I love that literally, era of like- Literally, we're flying literally. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, but I, I love that era of just having respect for things where, you know, you, your front lawns would be, well, if we had mowing machines, but- um, you know, our front lawns would be mowed. If we had a house, we looked after it because, you know, it was just that's what you did. If if you have friends, you look after them. And it was almost like disrespect, whereas even yesterday I was driving out, I live at West Lakes, driving out of the lake and, you know, the grass is all high. And back when I grew up, I don't, I don't know about you, but Everyone no matter where I was, it was, it was like sort of yeah. there, there was just a different a different sort of level of pride. So whereas go, now people were busy. and So you'd go back, not forward? Uh, I think I there's would a go future, back. There's a future not Look, if I went to the future, it would only be to go f- to figure out what the investment opportunities are <laughs> yeah. to come back and make all the money now for my future it's investments. Very much like I, <laughs> I don't know if you're a Back to the Future fan, but I always say I'd go forward, buy the almanac, and then <laughs> then come back and yeah. uh, play some bets. Right. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be? I think I've already got one, and that's to look inside people's minds and know what's going on. Um, the is, that, cool- is that emotional intelligence? Uh, I don't know that it's emotional intelligence it could be, it depends on how you describe emotional intelligence. I always ask this question, like, what do you mean by that? Because our emotions are our amygdala and our intelligence is the prefrontal cortex and they're two different parts of the mm. brain. Normally when someone's emotional, they're not intelligent. And when mm. someone's intelligent, they're not emotional. Their emotions are governed. So they're two completely different things. And I think just like most things in our society, we sort of mash things together and just say it without really looking into it. Um, you know, like I'll give an example. The word empathy means to suffer with others. It comes from the word compassion. Um, that's the original etymology. Now, when you look at it, part of that is a growth experience because when we have unhealed wounds from our past, it tends to trigger us to show us that there's something there that's out of balance and that we've got to go back and explore that in order to understand it. And then when we understand it, we can heal from it. Um, Now, most people don't want to hear that because they're being conditioned to think a certain way and they have confirmation bias and so on. Now, when I once I know that those sort of things, it makes it really, really easy into understanding how people operate. Um, another really good example of this is I, I ask in my event, um, Thrive Time, I say to people, who in here is a kind person? And, you know, the majority of people put their hand up, yep, I'm, I'm a kind person. I go, that's bullshit. Because if you're kind to others consistently, you normally do it at the expense of yourself and I guarantee you beat yourself up inside your own head for doing shit for other people that you don't want to do. Yeah. And you watch the hands drop and people just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it's because I understand how the brain works at a fairly high level to be able to understand how people think so i think that is the gift that i have that's my superpower but if i had to have another one i think it would probably be flight yeah you know I'd, well I'd, you just said you looked at the birds it makes sense yeah if i you know if i could fly i mean getting an uber to come down here sucks because uh, i didn't want to drive any of my cars in. um so yeah i um yeah do you I have just, do you have a do you have a run around car or you've only got your two i just drive jess's around so yeah, she's, okay. she's got a, a car i drive that around but most of the time you know, the majority of the time, like if I'm taking friends out or clients out or whatever, I take the cars because they love them. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I think this is what I was getting at before as well, is like I didn't buy those cars to impress people. I didn't buy those cars to show off or anything. I bought them for many different reasons. Number one, my job is to inspire people. 
when I drive that car, unless you've been in a supercar that is like mind-blowing supercar, people don't understand what it's like. Mm. I, I drive just dead to go have coffee and you watch little kids stand on the road and they just stand there and they wave mm, as you drive yeah. past. And f- even if it's a split moment, I've just inspired them to think big, dream big, and that's my purpose in life. Mm. So by having that car, it, to me, it's a way of inspiring people. Every time I park that car, someone comes up and has a chat with me. That's my opportunity again to connect with someone and, and hopefully remind them to dream big, believe in themselves. Mm. That's that's what I tell people. Like believe in you because no one else is going to unless you do. Oh, I'd be scared you, someone's going to key it. <laughs> look, if, if someone keys it, it says a lot about the individual. And oh, I, no doubt, but it costs you the money. <laughs> yes, but that's why I have insurance. You yeah. know, I, I've I've had that car since. So I had the McLaren since Marge, and in that time, I've put almost five thousand Ks on it. Mm. Now people say, "Why would you like? What the fuck? Like that's." That's a lot of money down the yeah. drain. But I didn't buy the car to park in the shed. No, you want to drive it. Absolutely. I want to drive it. I want to inspire people. And I go I go and pick up all my mates. I go and pick up clients, even people on Instagram sometimes. And this isn't everybody. Please don't send me messages on Instagram <laughs> and all that stuff and ask for drives. But sometimes like people who are just really good in the community who start interacting and I see their enthusiasm for what we do. And they might just shoot me a message and go, I'd love to catch up for a coffee. And I'll go, I'll come pick you up in the McLaren. And I, or, or, you know, the R8 or whatever. When I do that, you just watch their fucking mind blow apart. And I'm mm. like, if that gives me an hour with them to just remind them of those things again, dream big, keep believing in yourself and go hard, play hard at life because every day you're a day closer to death. Now, mm. I don't know when I'm going to die, but what, I, what I'm what i sure as shit is knowing is at the end of tonight, I'm one day closer to it. Yeah. So I want people to go out there and play as big as they want, as hard as what they want. And you know what? There's always consequences, but as long as you're okay with them, go hard. You're going to fuck things up. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. And yes, there are going to be people who go, you failed, you made mistakes, but who gives a shit? Mm. Because at the end of the day, you're doing what you want to do and you're getting ahead and they're not. Well, that's how you get ahead. You get ahead by making mistakes. 100% that's of where you learn. That's where the most learning comes from, right? That's where the I most agree. growth comes from. Mm. All right. We're going to finish off. One last question. What's awesome. your best? You're not a dad. Yep. But you got a niece, nephew. Niece, niece and nephew. Niece, yep. nephew, nephew. So you've told a shit joke. Surely you've got a good dad joke that you can tell me. I'm really bad at jokes. Um, I I tell people. I like, even sent you a text. Saying, I, I know, but I didn't. I read it and I got on sales calls this morning, um, and I was running late for my Uber. I forgot about it. Um, shit, I don't really have a dad joke. Probably oh, no. All of my jokes this are way too inappropriate, it? anyway. Yeah, um, all right. We'll leave and, it there. and you're probably going to get sued if I say them. So, um, look, I think that's also the thing that you know. I think is me, and this is why I love doing what I do because I do get to go to businesses. Um, and be on podcasts and people say, you know, can you come in and, and do a podcast or, or can you come in and do a talk? And I say, look, here's the thing. I'm probably going to say the wrong thing. I'm probably going to be inappropriate. And you know what? A lot of your audience are going to connect with it, but you're probably going to piss off someone. Now, if you want me to be a robot and just say everything in the right way and the correct way, that's great because you can hire a motivational speaker to do that shit. But if you want people to be really impacted by what I say, I'm the right dude for the job. Um, and so, yeah, when it, when it, um, yeah, I, I I think all my jokes. I what I was getting to is <laughs> I think all my jokes. Yeah, I joke. think all my no, jokes but, are way too inappropriate. But yeah, but I think look to be honest, I can look one up. <laughs> well, no, it's fine. We don't need to go down. I think what um what you are saying, and and really, if I was to if you were to come on you, you asked the question, can I swear? Hmm. If I had said no at that start of the, at the conversation, the conversation wouldn't have gone the way it went. Right, hundred percent. Because I don't get my inspiration. Ag- agreed. So it it really is about bringing your authentic self to the conversation, which is what you've done. So mm. if people are going to sit here and judge because you've sworn, then that says more about them, them than you, right? So I'm not mm. too concerned about it. 
Righto, but that's it for the time. You've actually awesome. got to go. Thank We've you. gone slightly over. That's right. Um, where can we – everyone who's listening this probably knows this already, but where can we find you and get in contact with you? Uh, my website is themojomaster.com.au or it's uh, mojohumanperformanceinstitute.com. Um, so you can go there and check out what we do, our events, our seminars, our products are all on there. Um, if you need to shoot me an email to go through to my team and then they'll pass it on. Um, for speaking engagements or whatever, they can do that or podcast requests. Um, also, I'm heavily involved on Facebook as well. So we have a very active community on you Facebook. Do. You get 20 odd thousand followers or something like that, don't you? you yeah, I don't think it's a lot of followers. Like for what I've done and for the amount of content that I put out there, but what I know is our community is super tight. Yeah. So out of that, like, you know, I've been out of that community, like I know people who have millions of followers and they don't make a lot of money. We no. make a lot of money on that because of, the community is really, really tight and they really value what I do, mm. um, which is really cool. They're, they're, they're a really cool bunch of people who I think just want to be better and are out there to, to push hard. So, um, yeah, I've got a few friends that are part of the community. They always talk oh, who's about. that? Uh, Joe and Julia Leonello, do you know? Yes. Yes. Yep. I think you caught them at a wedding not long ago as well, Joe. I, I did reach out to them and said, got any questions for Michael for tomorrow? So there are – and Rory Papalia who's yeah, been on Roy. this – Who's been on this? Podcast. I haven't seen Roy for years. Well, but we yeah. used to work together at KP Fitness. Yep. So uh, yeah, a few people I know that uh, are heavily involved and follow your have been following your journey for quite some time. So mm. keep um, up the good work, mate. I was just going to say uh, uh, Facebook. So um, oh, yeah. Michael Mojo Double Zero are all my Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Where, where's Snapchat? the Mojo name come from? Oh, I got yes. Okay, oh, <laughs> now we're going no, back down the rabbit we, hole. No, have we got time? No, we do. No. We got like right. a couple of minutes. Right. Um, what it was was originally when we started. You know, I think like most people, you don't really know what you're doing in business. And so at first I was like, right, I want to get into speaking. I want to do like this motivation thing, which isn't what I do now. Like our stuff isn't motivation. In fact, I think motivation is a symptom of being unclear with what you do. I think when you're inspired, you don't need motivation. You just do what you have to do. Mm. So they're, they're different. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But um, so we, when we first started, I was like, I want to do this motivation speaking thing. I want to go out and coach people. And I'd studied, I'd done like some of the, uh, my NLP mastery courses and all that stuff. And then I had Tony Robbins coaches and mentors. And um, one of my original mentors was Tony Robbins, top head trainer in Australia. And then I just kept branching out and I started going really down the rabbit hole with science and, and so on. But anyway, I thought, what do we call ourselves? And I was like, we were the first name of the company was Ultimate Achiever. Mm. But to me, I started getting a lot of corporate bookings. And to me, like I said, corporate. When, when I started doing corporate, I was like, man, these are a whole bunch of people that just want me to come in here, say something when they go, oh, that was really good. Just and remember, and walk the same base is corporate. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. And the, I think there are great corporate businesses out there. But I think the from what I've seen, when you go to work, if you've got to become a different person than who you are outside of work, you're already fucking lost. You're mm. off track. Yeah. That's why I love working with entrepreneurs because they're like, this is my business. This is how I do it. Yeah, if you don't yeah. like it, don't work for me. Yeah. But I, I find that there's this mask of like, you know, I have to have my shit together. I can't say what I want to say. I've got to like be careful. And it's all like this chess game of, you know, these pieces that everyone's trying to move around in most cases, not in all cases. It also depends on the business and the culture and so on. Um, and I'd go to do them and I'd, I'd, I'd like just do this amazing speaking gig and everyone's like, yeah, that was really good. But, you know, two weeks later, everyone's doing the same shit they've always done. And I mm. felt like I wasn't having a real impact with people. And, and I find like most motivational events are like that. You know, you go to these awards and they have these amazing speakers and everyone's like, wow, that was the most amazing day. But it was a fucking day off. They get a bit jacked up and they feel good. They yeah, get to eat some three food or whatever. Later they go back to yeah. It's the same shit, right? Nothing changes. So I, I wasn't doing what I, what I really wanted to do and I wasn't making that impact. Anyway, I had a friend of mine called George and I'd go to his house every morning. We'd train. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. I'd go over there. 
Um, he lives around the corner. So this one morning, I, or this one night, I pulled an all-nighter working because I had to get some stuff done for um, some um, speaking tools that I was doing. Anyway, I go around George's house and he's like, you know, we, we had this awesome workout and this great session. He said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going home to sleep. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, I haven't been to sleep yet. Like, I've been up all night. He's like, you're this fucking mojo dude. <laughs> and I was like, mojo dude. And he's like, man, you've just got this energy about you, this enthusiasm. And I was like, mojo dude, mojo dude. And then about two or three days later, it kept popping into my head. And I was like, mojo master, I'm the mojo master. So I ran into my wife's office. Well, now she's, she was my girlfriend back then, she, um, you know, now my wife. And I ran into her office and she's a graphic designer and she was helping me on the business. And I'm like, I'm the mojo master. She's like, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm the mojo master. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, we're rebranding. I'm the mojo master. And she's like, okay, whatever. And so she came up with a design and it became the mojo master. And then as it branched on, I've changed it slightly to Michael Mojo now um, just because the mojo master is good, but I still get, there's a bit of a wanky connotation with it. Whereas yeah. Michael Mojo, I've found it opens up people's inquisitiveness. They're like, yeah. is that really your last name or not? Yeah. And it opens up the conversation. So Michael Mojo sort of changed to, and then I created Mojo Human Performance Institute because a whole company was wrapped up around me. Yeah. And our business now is so much bigger than what I am. You know, I've got an amazing team of people who work with me. We've got a lot of coaches and a lot of, um, you know, we even, we get psychologists, doctors, all of those people come through our events. And I would love to give them a platform to be able to utilize their skills as well with what they do in what we do, which I think is the progression of eventually becoming, a, you know, a full-blown university. So that's sort of how started. Going it from. was like the mojo dude. Thanks, George. Yeah. You uh, came up with the name Mojo. Well done. Yeah. All right, beautiful. We're going to leave it there. So Facebook, Michael Mojo, Instagram, Michael, Michael Mojo, Mojo, Michael Mojo, double zero. Yep. Um, My Instagram's unavailable. It got hacked about four weeks ago. I'm still oh, waiting no. for Facebook to get back to me. So that's hacked, but all platforms are Michael Mojo. I did, I did try to do a little bit of research and I couldn't find your Instagram. Yep, I thought, that's, hey, why. that's a bit odd. He's not on Instagram, surely. Yep. Anyway, good. Beautiful. Thank you for your time today, mate. It's been a great chat. Mm. Keep up the good work. Thank Keep you. changing people's lives. Uh, and um, yeah, thanks for all that you do. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.